Fasten your seat, my friends, because here we go. We have part two of communicating your brand to your patients, optometry in the news. We're looking at the August issue of optometric management, tons of practice management pearls in there. I talk a little myopia management. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, time to get down to business. Let's talk branding. Last week, we were nonverbal, okay? Your decor, lighting, synergy in the office, internal marketing, that statement piece. That's the appetizer. Time to get down to the main course to make sure you establish your brand as the best doctor in the area. There's three ways I think you can do this. One, you as a person. Number two, your expertise. And number three, you and your staff, how you treat your patient throughout the entire experience. So let's start with you as a person. There's plenty of private practices in the area, Walmarts, SVSs, Costcos, you name them, people can get eye care. They come to you for a reason. I hope that's because they think you're the best doctor in the area. You better believe that. You better be exuding that kind of confidence. So let's get started. The patient has to like you. All right, as a person, the patient has to like you. They'll think you have a better exam. They'll listen to your therapies, your treatments, your recommendations if the patient likes you. How do you do this? One, be friendly. Be sincere when you ask them, how's your day? Are you having any vision issues? Okay, talk to them, communicate. One of the things that I found was I can give a five-minute exam and just be as thorough as I was with a 10-minute exam, right? But in the 10-minute exam, I'm talking to them. I'm asking them questions. Have you ever had an eye injury, eye surgery, family history of eye disease? How are your glasses working for you? How are your contacts working for you? These are all things my techs used to ask in a workup, right? So I had the information in front of me, but if I wasn't asking it, I felt like the patient didn't feel I was doing a, as thorough of a job. So communicate. Ask some of the things you already know, but when you're coming from the doctor, it goes a long way. It shows you care, that you're listening, that you're addressing their needs. I am always asking the patient, do you have any questions, right? So I'll do it at the beginning. My staff will ask them when they're giving their case history, anything you want to discuss with the doctor. If they have something, I address that right from the get-go. Tell them when I'm going to talk about that in the exam so they know I'm not ignoring it. After I get done with my refraction or if I'm going to get their contact lenses, I'll ask them any questions up to this point. They'll usually ask maybe about cataracts or something like that. Go, great question. I haven't looked at the health of your eyes yet. After I get your contacts or after this, that's what I'm going to look at. All right, so we get there. But ask if they have any questions. All right, go through, do your exam. When you're done, again, any questions? When they say no, I like to say, good, I'm doing my job then. They get a little laugh, but again, I'm kind of reinforcing that I'm doing what they need me to do. I'm answering all their questions and we're going from there. So one, make sure the patient likes you. Those are three ways I think that can help. Now you have to be active in your community, all right? If you're in a small town, even a larger town, you have a pocket that you're pulling from, right? So make sure you're active in the schools, primary care physician's offices, if you have a chamber of commerce, if you have a community foundation, these are all things I've found that help grow my practice, all right? So I practice in Allendale, Michigan. I'm an Allendale High School graduate. So I have connections with the teachers, the coaches. I'm constantly asking them, 
Is there anything I can do to help you out? I'm not pushing my services. I want to make them better. Is there anything I can sponsor? I want to genuinely be part of the school because I wouldn't be here without their influence, their help. So if I can give back, I love to do that. Career day, I'm there talking, taking time out of my day because I think it gives value. It adds to our profession, right? Kids talk, teachers talk. Those are the people you want in your office. I think if you're building an office, you got to talk to kids. You got to talk to parents, teachers, coaches, all of these people are talking to the patients you want. Have a good reputation. Be involved. Be sincere. I've seen a local chiropractor who has done the same thing, not even from my area, and he's really built his practice. So I think you have to invest in the community and they'll give back to you. They'll know if it's fake. They'll know if you're just trying to get patients to come to your office. So be sincere when you do it and do it for the greater good of your community. That'll pay dividends. Also, when you give back, give back with a purpose. Now, I'm not saying just give money away, do this or that. You want to hit your target demographic. So when you're giving back, I like to hit middle school and elementary kids. All right. High school is nice. I'll do things for them too. But I really try to focus on the elementary and the middle school kids. Those are the people that I want in my office that still have years where they have their parents' insurance, where they're going to need eye exams. When they're getting to high school, those kids are usually parents are getting a little bit older. The kids are going off to college. I'm not going to see them as, as much. So if you're building an office, start with that younger demographic. Start a legacy because if they start seeing you then, they'll come back. They'll see you when they're in college. Build that reputation. So a couple of things I do to kind of give back to that community. I had a program where I did, I, I call it A's Pays. So all patients, you can make it non-patients. If you're trying to attract people to your office, non-patients are a great way to do it too. Just say, hey, come in if you have a report card. Every A you get on your report card, if you have elementary school kids, it's like a three or a one. Everyone has different grading skills. You get the highest mark. I'm going to enter your name in a raffle. At the end of every semester, I'm going to draw a couple names and we're going to give away iPads. We made it a big thing, went to the school, got the principal involved, and they took pictures. We surprised them in the middle of class. That went a long way. We're promoting education. We're giving back to the community. And we're getting our name out there. So I thought that was really cool. Another thing I do for kids. So in the summer, we have a community park. We sponsor Allendale Family Vision Movies in the Park. So they get movies. They put them on a big screen projector. Our logo, our names underneath. And kids just watch movies. In the past years, we've dressed up as uh, minions. We've dressed up as Moana. When we, we show those movies and we give away Hawaiian Lays. We give away popcorn. We give away themes to the movie. Just to be part of the community, I think it was very helpful. Again, getting your name out there. We do a thing called I Read. So back in the day when we were kids, I, it was called Book It. You read books, you go to Pizza Hut, you get free pizza. That got me hooked on reading, right? So reading is good. We obviously are in this whole era of myopia management where we don't want to read too much, but we still want to encourage kids to read, right? So they come in, they get a pamphlet. They have to fill it out. When they bring it back in, I give them a certificate for a free pizza. I go to one of the local pizza shops in the area, and I'm like, hey, if they bring their, this certificate, just send me the bill. We worked out a cost. It was awesome. Uh, kids really like it. It gives them something to do over the summer. gives parents a reason to come into the office and get that packet. So I thought that was really good. It seems to help. And then the last thing I do to kind of build my brand as 
being involved in the community is something I call Give One Day. So we have an organization called Love in the Name of Christ. So people in need will go there and they'll help them find health care, help them find clothes, help them find jobs. I tell them if they have any vision care needs, come see me. I'll give them a free exam, free pair of glasses. We put that out to the community. So we're trying to get people in to get eye care. I have the resources I like to give back. But again, this is going above and beyond building your brand as a person. All right, that's step one. So step two, you have to be an expert at what you do. They can get eye exams anywhere. Remember that. Why is yours any different? So make sure you give value to your exam. Part of that is just talking through what you're doing. I'm uh, checking the health of your eyes, looking through this and that. Make sure you address cataracts because if someone told them they had cataracts and you don't, they think you missed it, right? Remember I said, always ask, has anyone ever told you you have an eye disease? Half the time they say, I might have had a cataract or I have astigmatism, but if they have a freckle, if they have anything that was an eye disease back then, in their mind they still have it. Regardless of what they heard, they think they have an eye disease. If you don't talk about it, you missed it. So I like to find out what they think they had. I make sure I at least address that. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything that makes me think that or yeah, that's nothing to worry about. I saw it as well. All right. So find out what they think they have, address that, and then give value to your exam. So address lids and lashes, you know, address cataracts, glaucoma, and macular degeneration. Those are the big things. If they come in for a diabetic exam, make sure you address that. If they told you they have high blood pressure or high cholesterol, I checked your eyes. There's no signs of it affecting your eyes at this point, but I want to keep seeing you at a certain time frame because we can see if it's affecting your eyes, affecting the rest of your body. All right. So give value to your exam. Now for glasses or contacts, we'll get to contacts in a second for glasses. Make sure you know about glasses. You are an expert. You are more knowledgeable than your opticians or you should be about lenses and optics, right? So I think it's corny when people say, well, I prescribed you anti-reflective coating or I prescribed you a blue light filter. It just doesn't, are you really prescribing that? They can't get something other than that. I like to talk to them about what they're using their eyes for. So you're on a computer all day. Have you considered a blue light filter? Have you ever heard of that? If not, I educate them. I tell them what it's good for, what it does. I wear it, I've noticed a big change. It goes a long way when it's a first-hand experience or if they have you know, a lot of astigmatism or they have a high prescription, you talk about high index material or give them advice on what type of frame to pick. Okay, One, you're an expert. You've given them information they've never heard from another eye doctor before. Gives value to what you do. And then two, when your optician's talking about it, they're hearing it a second time. The doctor said this. She's saying this man, I better do this, all right? It just helps your overall flow, helps synergy from the doctor to the optician, all right? So make sure you have that conversation with the patient, and then when you do the handoff, directly tell the optician the same thing you told the patient. He's on a computer all day, he's getting headaches, we need to have an anti-fatigue lens with a blue light filter. Just make sure you're consistent, give your opticians tools to work with, okay? And then make sure you talk about what you're passionate about, all right? I say that because every myopic patient, every kid that has low plus, I'm talking about myopia management, things you can do to prevent it. So that's being outside, taking breaks, limiting screen time. 
That's good for everyone, but I have a passion for it, so I'm giving them that information, right? That'll help me in the long run if they start to see myopia, I've planted the seed. If you talk to every patient, do your eyes feel dry? At what time in the day do they feel dry? Are you staring on a computer all day? Talk about what you do. If you have this happen, we have tools and treatments to help you out. Don't just suffer through it. Let me know. We have answers. Plant the seed for what you're passionate about. The patient will come back to you or remember that you have the answers. Now, with contact lenses, something I always like to do is if they come in with a really old brand, say like Biomedics 55, why are you in this contact? Are you having any issues? All right, just so you know that's an older contact lens brand. I have newer options. Would you like to try it? I never force them to try it, especially if they're a new patient. The reason for that is if you try something new and they don't like it, the only thing that changed was the new doctor gave me something I didn't like. I was all good, and when I saw the other guy, he changed it, and now it's wrong. So I kind of let them guide me. I plant seeds, so if they're having trouble, here, let's try this. I like to try that with multifocal contacts for patients in their early 40s, a pre-presbyopic patient. Hey, are you having any trouble up close? Maybe a little? Here, try this on, see what you think. Even if they don't get it, they come back in their one-week follow-up. If they don't like it, I'll be like, you know what? I'm always getting the latest technologies, the newest lenses. I want you to at least have exposure. We can always go back to what you were doing, but I want you to have the latest and the greatest. Again, this adds value to you, your brand, and your expertise. So what did we do? We built our brand as a person. We built our brand as experts, right? So what's that last step? You and your staff giving the patient a great overall experience. I kind of talked about a little with the handoff, right? That synergy. So the doctor and the staff are on the same page. Your office already is setting the tone. It's state of the art. It looks great. The doctor killed it. He gave me a great exam. He knew what he was talking about. What does your staff do? Our mission statement is literally, we are here to make the patient happy, all right? We give the patient what they want. Now, if it's gonna harm them in any way, if there's something that's not right for them, we will guide them, we'll give them the advice, but we are gonna do whatever we can to make the patient happy. Think about that. If they're having issues with a frame, they're having issues with their glasses, I don't care about policy or procedure, I do whatever I can to make the patient happy. I give my patient, my staff the same power, right? You can give them all the tools in the, in the world, but if they don't have the power to make a change, they're not going to be effective. So if they're having an issue, I tell them, make the patient happy. We'll figure it out on the other end, right? So one, do what you can to follow your mission statement. Like I said, ours is to make the patient happy. Whatever your mission is, everyone better be on that same page. Number two, remember we talked about internal marketing? I think any great internal marketing is going to raise a question, what's this? Hey, tell me about those transitions. What's myopia management? If you get them to ask the question, boom, that's amazing, right? Have an answer. I know you as a doctor will have the answer. Does your staff? Be complete. Make sure your staff knows the answer to all the questions you're placing around the office. This takes effort as well, all right? Your staff needs to be trained by you. If you don't have time for them, they're not going to have time for the patient. Make sure it's a priority in your office and your staff will make it a priority. If you don't care, they won't. Set the tone. Just like the patients come to see you to get the best eye care possible, your staff is looking to you for leadership. All right. Set the tone on what's important. They don't know what you do. You got to guide them. 
and workups. When you're going through all your equipment and stuff like that, make sure your staff is able to explain. We're taking a measurement of the front of your eye. This helps Dr. Lilly pick the contact that's best suited for you. All right, add some customization to it. Tell them, hey, we're doing the puff of air. This measures glaucoma. If they have questions about that, talk to Dr. Lilly. Make sure your staff is encouraging building your brand as well. Oh, you're gonna have you met Dr. Lilly before? Oh, you're gonna love him. He's great with patients that have kids, or he's great with dry eye patients. He has a passion for myopia management. Whatever it is, make sure that they're building you up throughout the exam. That takes a little bit of coaching as well, but again, you want the patient to feel like they're getting the best care they ever have gotten in their life. I had a patient come in and I'm like, hey, what brings you in? We kind of ask, what, what, what brought you to our office, right? She said, I like the other doctor, but the staff, I just didn't get along with. Whenever I hear that, I always make sure my staff knows that will never happen at our office. You find a way to make that patient happy. You don't have to be a, you know, if the patient's giving you a lot of grief, send them to me. But make sure you kill that patient with kindness. Your staff has to be on board with that. I think you're going to be better for it. All right. The last thing I'm going to leave you with here is, do you give your staff glasses, sunglasses, contacts, CRT treatment? I hope you do for multiple reasons. One, happy staff makes happy patients. Number two, who is the best marketer in your office? Maybe you, but your staff, right? They're picking out the glasses. They're wearing crazy pairs of frames. They have multiple pairs of frames. They say, you know, the non-glitter coating is really good. I don't have it, but uh, that's what Dr. Lilly says. That doesn't go a long way, right? Or I used to have glasses until I worked here. I never had the non-glitter. I will not go back. What do you think has more weight with the patient, right? They have it. They like it and they see it. Or I have that pair. I have that pair. If you give your staff multiple pairs of glasses, it does, does a couple of things from a practice management standpoint. One, you're giving something that's a benefit to the staff. They like you for it. It's an expense, so it helps you tax-wise, right? And then two, they talk about it. They're going to be talking to their friends. They're going out with crazy frames. In my mind, if my staff can't wear it, who can? Sometimes by them being able to have multiple pairs, being able to relate and share with the patient, it makes it easier for the patient to let their guard down and buy something a little more fun because the staff's wearing it. So make sure your staff is getting the same care, treatment, therapies that you talk about so they can be your hands and feet and spread the word to your patients. There you have it, my friends, the trifecta of branding. You're a great person. You're an expert in what you do. And you and your staff gave the patient the best experience they've ever had in their lives. Do those things and your office is going to grow like crazy. Optometry in the news. You know the deal. I do the work so you don't have to. I give you all the tidbits. This week, I looked at optometric management, the August issue. All right. To start off, leading off the CEO challenge, fail at something by Steve Vargo. Kind of something that you'd read and think, okay, I'll do something with this. The one thing I'll leave with that is I do think you should set big goals. Something I, I've heard and I think we should live by is we underestimate what we can do in a year and we overestimate what we can do in a day. With what you're doing, when you're setting a goal, when you're starting a practice, keep the big picture in mind. You'll be better for it, but dream big, my friends. All right. The next thing is OD to OD. 
This one talked to me. It was talking about moving the middle. So I think she was talking about Stephen Covey. Uh, one of his books was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Either way, she was talking about the bell curve that you see in most most businesses. So 20% of your workers are in the bottom, 60% in the middle, and 20% in the top. If you move that middle 60% up 5 10%, the amount of gain you get from that is exponential, right? She's talking about how to work with your staff to get them to be better. Some things that she pointed out were, one, utilize the top 20%. Seek them out, learn from them, and get them to teach the other staff, right? Also, ask your team, how can we be better? Do you need more incentives? Are you just not understanding? But when you're trying to move that middle 60%, those are the two stars she set out. I'm going to give a little pushback on the teaching aspect because we've seen, I'll use basketball as an analogy, Michael Jordan, greatest player we've ever seen. Not great as a general manager. Larry Bird, great player. How was he as a coach, right? The best players, the best you know, salespeople, the best opticians may not be able to teach what you're doing. So your job as a doctor, as a leader, as a CEO is to find out what they're doing and find a way to convey that to the middle 60%, okay? So take that, do what you will with it, but move that middle 60% a little bit higher, your office will grow exponentially. At least that's what she told me. The last thing I was reading was the benefits of staff delegation and look at what tasks to hand over to staff and why. Now, the author of that, I'll have to look into that for you. It'll be in our show notes. Just check. Speaking of that, uh, make sure you look at our show notes. We give all the resources that we're looking at. Also, if you want to go to our website, like us, rate us, review us. I like to give that little plug because I forget at the end. But going back to the article. All right. Benefits of staff delegation. She was talking about delegation leads to improved staff morale, patient satisfaction, and doctor productivity. All right. From a staff perspective, when you cross train your staff so they can do front desk, they can do workups, they can do optical, they can help you with specialized testing such as OCT, visual fields, photos, it makes the staff happier. Variety is the spice of life. If they're doing the same thing over and over again every day, it gets boring, it gets mundane, you get burnout. So variety is helpful, makes them happier. In addition, if someone's out sick, your office can still function and be productive. That leads to the next point. By having your staff able to do everything, it allows for a better patient experience. You have better flow, less waiting, it keeps the patient moving. Patient satisfaction is key to you growing your office, key to them coming back, right? So by your staff being happier, your patients being happier, it seems like a win-win. Well, the third part of that was, it makes the doctor more happy, more productive. We as doctors, as business owners, have a certain level of thing that we need to be doing. Believe me, when I started off, when you start off cold, I get it. You're not in that same category. You're doing the ordering. You're answering phones. You're doing dispenses. You're helping out an optical, right? It's what you have to do. You have one other staff member if you're doing this right. You have five other staff members. You have a cash flow that I never had. But once you get to the point of hitting that 500K, 600K, 700K gross, you have to start delegating you need to start seeing the forest and not losing yourself amongst the trees. So less letters, less calls, less less picking out frames, any of that stuff. You need to focus on the patients and the business, right? One way she said to be more effective is having scribes using your text to help that so you don't have to worry about writing up your chart notes. I'm not a huge scribe person. I'll consider it, 
but I do think taking more time to talk to patients, talk about optical will help your overall sales. She talked about boosting revenue by being able to talk to the patient. Remember when I was talking about building our brand, I said, make sure you're giving the patient what they need in terms of expertise. And that includes glasses. If that can help your bottom line, you're not only giving the patient a better pair of glasses, but you're building your brand, you're being a better doctor. The last thing that she kind of outlined were ways that you can delegate. One of the things I thought was interesting I might do in my office is usually when I do the refraction, I go to get the patient's contact lenses, I literally leave the room and go get them. She says she has her staff get the contacts. Why they're doing that, she's doing the ocular health portion. So looking at the back of the eye, looking at the front of the eye, and then having them put on the contacts. Why they do that, she goes to the other room and sees another patient. Again, I think that can be very efficient. You just have to know your office, know your staff, be able to trust them. My big pushback to all of this staff delegation is you need to have the right staff. All right. Not all staff is created equal. Part of what you do as a business owner is get the right people on the bus and then put them in the right seats. If your staff is cross-trained and everyone can do everything, this works. If you have staff that are a little more limited, say they, they just don't get optical, they're not good at workups, but they are great on the phone. They're a great front desk person. They like the monotony. They have value in your office, but are they going to help you in this, this uh, layout they're doing? So again, it goes back to who you're hiring, why you're hiring them, get the right people on the bus, get them in the right seats. Hopefully you have the right kind of people that you can delegate to the way it sounds. You're going to be happier for it. The patients will be happier for it. Your staff will be happier for it. That's what I got. That's optometry in the news. All right, my friends, my myopia management journey. We don't got much to talk about this week. It was a little less eventful, but I do got some things, some nuggets of wisdom to pass your way. Number one, Cooper Vision just bought GP specialists. I've been telling you myopia management is the future. Look at all the big contact lens companies, all the labs. People are putting time, effort, and most of all money towards myopia management. Get on the team. Join in. This is the future. Now, from a clinical perspective, what I've learned is high RXs take a lot of TLC. My 550 patient, we're making progress. She can see 2015, but she's not a happy 2015. When we looked at the scans, the treatment zone is inferior to the pupil. We had to make a second lens. I'm getting that in. I'll give you feedback on how that's going. Most of all, though, the thing that we have to do or that I'm realizing is you have to set patient expectations. When I'm getting feedback from the patient, basically she's like, if this was the best I could get, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, I, I like being able to see, but it's not a great quality. And if I still have to wear contact lenses during certain parts of the day, is it worth it? And I get that. So basically talking to the patient, finding out what they want to accomplish is absolutely crucial and almost undersell and over deliver. Okay. The other patient that I started this week was a minus 650 and we had to redesign the lenses on the first fit. Again, setting the, setting the expectations, making sure they know what to expect when they get in will make me more successful going forward. Thankfully, both of these patients are kind of like in for the whatever. They're, they're great patients. They want to go after it. So it makes it a little bit easier, but certain patients aren't going to be as willing to be flexible. So I'm going to try and weed those out from the beginning. Ways to do that. One, have a little template of where 
you specifically address goals at your consultation. All right. And then make sure when you go over their follow-ups, you're readdressing the goals, reminding them of what they set out to do, and make sure you're pointing out if you are accomplishing them. Now, if you're just falling flat on your face on your goals, it's not working out. You have to move on. In regards to overall marketing of myopia management, things I've seen that I think I'm going to implement are a five-question questionnaire. Are you at high risk? Just some questions. How much screen time do you spend? Under two hours, over two hours? I'm not going to lie to you. Treehouse Eyes has this questionnaire on their website. I'm taking it. I think it's a great idea. I'm going to apply it to my office and apply it to my consultations. Also, I think I need to do a better job of educating my patients overall. I'm not seeing as many people committing to it right away, but again, this is year one, right? When I first see them, they're early hyperopes or they're minus 50, right? Once I get that axial length and I can track the change in that, I think it'll be easier to show progression and get them to see that there's a need to implement therapy, right? So educate, educate, educate. That's what I have for my OBM management this week. Stay tuned. We'll have more in the coming weeks. Where or where did the time go? Time for my closing thought. Have you guys ever looked for a car that you're going to buy? So if you're going to go buy a Pilot, next thing you know, you're driving on the road. Every other place you look, there's a Honda Pilot, right? If you look for a yellow car, you see a yellow car. Keith Tyler, one of my great professors at ICO, told me, you see what you look for, you look for what you know, you better know everything, all right? So in this world, I firmly believe if you look for something long enough, you'll find it. So whatever you're doing, make sure you educate yourself, know what you're looking for, you're going to find it along the way. That's the way I'm going to end the episode. Just make sure you're educating yourself and you'll find what you're looking for. Dr. Lily, out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.